Voice Memos podcast with Jen and Myron. Hey, welcome to Voice Memos. I am Myron Clifton and my co-host is Jennifer. So Jennifer is a wonderful lady. She's originally from Wisconsin, now in California, flaming redhead with a beautiful big old dog named Mojito that I call Beast. She's a great sister, daughter, and a great friend. And uh, she is my co-host. Hey, Jennifer. Hello, hello. So nice that we're recording this because I get to save this and hear this over and over again, the compliments that you gave me. So I lied. <laughs> this is my friend and probably my bestest friend. I've known Myron over 20 years. He is a published author. He is an amazing writer, highly intelligent. And one thing that I can really tell you about him that stands out is how he raises his daughter, Leah. You have no concept of time. <laughs> uh, you, know, you know what's funny? I was talking to a friend of mine, my website designer, a friend of yours. Yep. And, you know, he said it was going to be a five minute call. And then it was like 25 minutes. And I was like, well, I have to go because I have this, I have my podcast with Jen at 1230. I said, <laughs> <laughs> it was 1215 when I said that. <laughs> I was like, wait, now I'm worried because normally you'll say something like I'm on the phone or just a minute, but you weren't saying nothing. And you know what? I didn't want to get in my car and drive over there to see you lying on the floor. Someplace. <laughs> I was on that car making iced coffee, doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I was like, this guy is just living his best life and I can't get a hold of him. <laughs> You know what? She wanted to have a meeting with me this week to discuss the magazine and the layout for this month's magazine and everything. She was like, she went through, she was like you. She went through the whole list of all the times she's busy and <laughs> occupied. She can't meet between Tuesday and Friday. And I was like, well, let me know. I'm free anytime. <laughs> <laughs> so have you what's your theme for your magazine this month? Um, you know, I'm gonna have uh I think four guest con contributors and the feature article is going to be by this uh, a national reporter, a lady who writes for various uh, syndicated or she's syndicated in various newspapers. Um, her name is Victoria Brown and she is writing a lengthy piece on Brittany Griner. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. She has been, she has been in contact um, with the state department and the WNBA and other people ever since the arrest. And so she has, and she's written about it um, probably the mo more than anyone else in the nation. And so she, I asked her to do a feature piece on everything she has on Brittany Griner. So that's going to be the feature this month. Wow. Yeah, there's yeah, a lot. Excited. To, yeah, mm -hmm. there's a lot. That's the one that you were sharing with me um, in regards to how she was arrested for traffic. What was what was the, um, we were having a discussion around it because I yes. couldn't find any data on yes. what she was charged with. Yeah, so I, I, I got on a podcast, I said trafficking, but it wasn't trafficking, it was drug smuggling. Smuggling, got yeah. it, okay. So she, had, she had one of those vape um, things, uh, point, no, 0 0.7 ounces of the marijuana vape. So such a small amount that ordinarily in Russia is a misdemeanor, just a misdemeanor and a fine up to a couple hundred bucks, maybe a few hundred dollars. But they arrested her and charged her with drug smuggling, which is the equivalent of a felony for us. And they have now sentenced her to nine years in prison. Wow. And don't, yeah. and we, we, I think you dug it up, but I was trying to find that white girl um, that there was a difference. Like she served maybe five months or something like that. Not even what was yeah, her she name? Didn't even five, she didn't even serve five months. She had, she had a lot more um, weed and she got a fine and paid $300. That was it. And that's just, and that's the norm for them. And so she's been um, Victoria, the, the writer, um, the reporter, an investigative reporter. She's really dug into it. And she is like uh, Brittany Griner 
Um, she's part of the LGBTQI community. And so she has focused on uh, one, her being a, um, an out gay married black woman who's also an athlete and who, um, who has played and lived in Russia. Uh, she's played for the Russian national team for something like five or six years, maybe seven years, and they've won five um, titles. So she wasn't unknown to them. Like she is a person they have celebrated and honored. And then in the lead up to this, uh, that Ukrainian war, you know, some people are saying, we don't even, you don't even know for a fact she had that on her. Like wow. you don't even know, but that she's used as a pawn, a political prisoner. And so, yeah, so she's going to write a feature piece on that. I also have another political piece by a young uh, activist who, um, really nice fellow I met online and he has been doing a lot of work to register voters in Georgia and even in Texas. And so I asked him for a feature piece. He's going to, or not a feature piece, but a piece about um, voting activism. Uh, and then a couple of other pieces around just general things like I've done in the past where people just, whatever is their topic that they want to write about. Like, like you wrote about grief. Um, uh, last month, the lady, uh, Kelly wrote, your sister wrote about um, intuitive eating. Um, and so just, I like to keep the magazine with different topics to, that appeal to different people. I love that. And I was, you know, I'm always honored to be part of something and or push my way into something like I did with that. Because um, one day I was sitting around and thinking about just mojito. You know, grief is a funny thing, how it just comes in waves. You can be doing really well in something and then turn around and and fall into, did I make the right decision? I can't believe I chose to take his life and the guilt overwhelms you. And then you sort of level set a little bit and then you see a dog relationship with its owner and then you start, it, it's this complete cycle and, and the August 23rd will be three months and I feel uh, saddened most of the time, like a piece is missing. And, I, and you and I've had a discussion because one, Mojito was just a dick. I mean, he literally, I don't even know if he actually loved me. Let's, let's just be honest. <laughs> I mean, his idea of coming and greeting me was maybe the longest was maybe 10 seconds before he decided to go on his merry way. But there was a similarity between the both of us, you know, don't need a lot of interaction. I'll acknowledge you for a moment if I have to, and then we move on. And I was talking to you about it because I have been putting my applications in for fostering. And mm. during that conversation, you were telling me, you know what, I don't even know what fostering is. Right. And it's very similar to, I would say, just children in foster care. So the idea is that if you have enough fosters in your city or where you're at, and sometimes, you know, it, it tries to stay local because fosters will take care of most fosters are all donations. So 503 profit.c, whatever, whatever they fall under. But a foster mm -hmm. is the ability that there's rescues around. We'll just use Sacramento as an example. They take in dogs from shelters. So maybe high mm -hmm. kill shelter, high risk, maybe a medical. And, and when I say medical, it's probably, they could have a skin condition that's easily solved. Maybe they have a limp. Maybe they have, you know, a, a couple lumps, fatty lumps that are a cherry eye. So those mm -hmm. are deemed um, as medical. And, you know, just the country itself is in dire straits nationally mm -hmm. with uh, overrun centers because people have, we can't, the, the rescues and, and shelters can't keep up with breeding. And wow. so- during COVID, you had all these people that were at home, so they got their dogs, they lived with their dogs for two years and went back to work, and now are putting them back into the shelter. So oh, no. it's an abundance. It's 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 sad. It, you, I, I even heard a story of a, someone that had a dog for 10 years, 10 years, that's as long, just almost as long as I had Mojito, and they took it to the shelter because they wanted to get a puppy. So here's oh, a- no. Yeah, here's a dog in its own environment for 10 years and has no idea why it's being put in these chaotic. And I, I, I consider myself a strong individual, but I'll tell you that 
I cannot go into a shelter. It is, I already have enough pain inside my brain when it comes to the animal cruelty and just um, agricultural and, and, and how we get from, you know, they, we talked from a vegan standpoint, I already have those visuals in my head and how a shelter sounds to a dog, the abundance of crying and barking and, you know, you're begging for attention. I can't go in there. So these rescues will then set up, you know, um, Mm -hmm. they'll set up their nonprofit, and they will pull dogs from shelters. Now, what they do is they either get them up to a healthier condition, and then they work with fosters, aka something that I want to do. And a foster would say, listen, I need a place to put this dog because I don't have any room. And um, we, me, Jennifer, takes in a dog, and I foster that dog until it's adopted. So the website, the, the, the rescue continues. I would post all these great things about this dog. I would help train if necessary, you know, exercise, engage. Mm. And then the rescue in most cases, if they're too small, they don't do this, but the bigger ones, they pay for everything. Literally Mm. you just put a roof over that dog's head, give it love, feed it and walk it like legitimately and take it to its appointments. The fosters will give you beds, leashes, food. They pay for all medical. Again, this is if they're a big rescue because not all rescues can afford that, but ultimately they set you up so that you can take a dog, which then frees up their rescue to take another dog out of the shelter. Oh, Okay. So instead of adopting, right, if I di- if I get one dog now, I'm done. I'm not going to foster another dog. I don't want to have two dogs in my house. I it's a lot of responsibility and and, and it's a lot of chaos. So by hmm. helping foster, I can take a dog. The shelter can take another dog. So essentially, you're saving two. And then once that dog's adopted, I now have capacity to take in another dog, which then saves another dog. Oh, okay. That makes that. That's a good process, good program. I think so too. And I, I wish more people would do it. I think there are, you know, people say, aren't you afraid of, you know, connecting with a dog and then, you know, you have to give it up. And no, I'm going, I'm going in with the mentality that I don't want to be a foster fail. I want to be a foster that, that the rescue can depend upon if, if needed. And they know that that dog has a safe spot, a space again, mm-hmm. I could fall in love with the dog and be like, now I need to have this dog, but you know, I would have to go through the whole process itself. Do you get to meet the, do you get to meet the people who eventually adopt the dog? Yes. Oh, okay. Cause they do like meet and greet. So they'll ask you on the foster applications, Hey, will you be able to, for a potential adopter, would you be able to bring that dog to meet them at 100%? And then, you know, having that little relationship to keep an eye on that dog. And in most rescues, they'll keep, you have, you have rules, like you can't give that dog up. You have to like, you know, keep us informed on it. You know, you can't leave. There's, there's some things that come along with it because that dog in most cases has already been through hell. They've either been abused, abandoned, uh, uh, used for breeding and then dumped. So most of these dogs in rescues outside of puppies, because puppies sometimes are born in rescues and they have you know mm-hmm. good lives. They already have gone through the turmoil and still have this uh, amazing ability to still love a human being and still want to be attached and affectionate and just it's amazing just how animals are i mean you can look online in any capacity any shape or form any animal and the love that a, that an animal has the sentient being is just something extraordinary especially after i i follow and i'm going to get off this topic because we don't want to beat it up but there was a dog in tennessee um mm-hmm. riona And uh, she was set on fire by her owner. Oh my God. She was set on fire and then walked down the street. Now the dog is doing well. There's a a clinic in Tennessee that took her in and claiming her as her own. And that dog, when you approach that dog in her crate Uh with all her bandages on, that tail wags so fast and so furious for love after what just happened to that dog. Now that guy that did it is in jail. So that's, they yeah. keep us updated on the, on the cause, but that just gives an example of the resiliency of, of, of animals. And specifically wow. I talk about pit bulls. I talk about pit bulls a lot. Cause that's, that's where my heart and love is for the, 
velvety hippos. So she was a she she is a uh, a hippo. So yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, I think you know, sir. I know you're doing a lot of traveling and stuff like that. You should consider that eventually. You know what I was thinking? Have you ever thought about like, say, you foster a dog and then a family uh, adopts the dog? And then you you can go like a week later, sneak and go steal the dog back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming for you, baby. <laughs> so you would not only be a foster, you'd be a rescue. Like you would rescue your <laughs> dog. And the other family, you know what? They would be devastated, but they would go get another dog. <laughs> and you know That's what? Probably- I, can't, I, I don't know how... I mean, there's a woman in Arizona I don't ever name. That woman will beg owners to take their dogs, especially those that are on chains, those are in the heat. I mean, she spends her days and nights rescuing dogs from situations and then taking them in and then trying to find fosters. It's an incredible journey that these people do and rescuing what it, you know, oh, I'm gonna buy, I'm gonna get a bunch of land and save all the dogs. Like it goes way further than that. Yeah. So I commend, I commend, I commend, commend that environment. And I will never, ever, 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 knowing what I know now will never support a breed like a breeder. It is breeders. You don't need that bullshit. And you know what people, this is what I hear. Oh, but my breeder is really good. Blah, blah, blah. You know what? You don't know what happens when those dogs have dogs that are not sellable. The things that happen to those dogs quickly to end their life would make you rethink of using a breeder. I don't care how nice they come and talk to you and say, well, this is just their family dog. No, 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 no. There is there is a darkness in breeding that you cannot even imagine. Hey, you know what you remind me of um, talking about uh, animals? I was watching the uh, Westminster Dog Show the other day. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I haven't watched right? that. Yeah, it was. Uh, um, it was just. It was odd. You know, that whole thing is odd to me. But the odd, one odd part, maybe not the oddest, but one odd part is, you know, how when it's finally time to show your dog, so they, so like. There was a dog. It was a little dog. So the dog was on the table. Then like the judge looked at the dog's teeth and the snout, I guess, looked at his, his tail, this kind of deal. And then they put the dog on the ground. And then the, the, the lady, the handler, the owner, whatever they call them. And then uh, she starts running with the dog. Right. And so she's, <laughs> yes. in, a, she's in a skirt, <laughs> you know, these little sensible shoes. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, well, why wouldn't you be in like some some sneakers and sweats or something. Like, why are they dressed up running these? <laughs> so I watched maybe 30 minutes of it, just fascinated by the handlers and what they chose to wear to run the dogs. It is the oddest thing. And that, and I guess that's just their, their traditions. Like you dress up because it's a formal event, but it really seems like they should not be wearing those clothes. I don't know. You would think because some of them are, I mean, when you're jogging around next to them, I think because of the prestigiousness of it, that you have to be presentable. Yeah, that's a whole, I mean. That's a whole thing. That's a whole nother. And again, we don't want to make this uh, dog cast instead of podcast. So I Mm -hmm. I think you and I talked a little bit about the whole fostering and you were trying to understand a little bit more of it. Yeah, that was a great education. I do appreciate that. It did make, I mean, that was more, I learned more about fostering in those 10 minutes than I ran in my life. Like I knew nothing <laughs> about it. And it made me start thinking all these dog things. Cause then I was also watching this past week, ESPN was showing all these random sports. And one of the sports they were showing was Corgi dog racing. Oh my God. With their little legs. Yes. So I, it, on a little track. And I think it was probably about maybe 50 yards, 30, 50 yards or something like that. And maybe about, 10 15 corgis at a time and they just take off running you know and they're so tiny but some of them are fast but some of them are like disinterested they would tackle the other dog and just all this random stuff and they had all these different heats to finally get a champion and it was like a whole thing it was like i've never seen the corgi races but it, it right? is crazy when you think about you, you know, you hear stories, especially at, you know, on TikTok, they show all those, there's a, a thing going around for people that have careers, like say you're a veterinarian or you're a lawyer. And yeah. they say, these are the five things I wouldn't do as a lawyer or a doctor or whatever. And as a veterinarian, 
I can, t- I can run across veterinarians one after another mm-hmm. that say, these are the five breeds I would never have. And one of them, two of them being the pug and the French bulldog because of their breathing. Like oh, these right. dogs struggle to breathe so bad that it, it, and it's due to the, all their breeding, the overbreeding, the right. just, it's incredible how, you know, you have these dogs that have, you put a price tag on them and you breed them and everybody says, Oh, wow, they're so super cute. And then once you start getting into the medical bills of it, that's when they're like, well, wait a minute, I can't afford to have this dog. And then you have to try to find a rescue for a bulldog or a pug. It's crazy. Yeah. that That's a lot. That's a lot. Do they have rescues for cats as well? Or foster yeah, oh, yeah. for captain? Yes, really? yes, 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 yes. So if you're wow. looking at any of those, a lot of, there's some small ones in the area that, just we'll focus on cats. They'll have a mixture, but yeah, there's a definite uh, need. Howard Stern, you know who I love his wife, mm-hmm. Beth Stern. She does a full rescue out of their home and oh, wow. <clears throat> watching and they're all for cats. And so, you know, she'll self- tell some stories about her cats, but it's, it's fun to watch, you know, taking huh. something that's been through some horrible conditions and then, you know, it starts to thrive and, you know, she sends it off to its adoption. So there's got to be some satisfaction in that. I feel like because my my teenage daughter is 17 and, and she's, you know, within a year and a half of going away to college, I feel like I'm fostering her now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like exactly. I'm providing, right? I'm providing for her. I'm trying to get the last little bit of training to make sure she's ready to go out in the world. Then some nice school is going to take her off my hands. <laughs> and then you could just sit back and reap the rewards of her success. <laughs> it's right. You know, that's what I threatened her with. I go, you know, I didn't go to college. And so I can enroll in college with you. Oh, and we God. Just, right. Be in college. You got to meet at the quad. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. So are you getting excited? I mean, we don't talk about Leah very often. I think out of the respect for just, you know, her privacy or maybe she doesn't want you to share all her stories. But from your perspective as a parent, um, how are you feeling about her going away to college? And has she decided where? So um, she hasn't decided where. She is already a high school graduate. She tested out. She took all her required tests and everything, and she has her diploma, but she has the option of doing her senior year. Um, she's going to do her senior year, but mostly just take uh, online classes that um, for her for basically her first year of college, even though she her requirement just fulfill her requirements, you know. Um, and she hasn't decided where she's going. She sort of thinks she wants to go to uh, a California state college that's um, in the North Bay, and I don't want to name the college, but um, I'm. She's also open to going other places. So, um, but she hasn't decided. But I am. I'm pretty happy for. Her. So I'm pretty excited. Like I want. I'm. I'm excited for this next phase of her, of her life because you know that starts a phase, and she is really blessed by me. Like it's not from like some secret place. You know, it's for me, her college is paid for. So she will not go into debt or anything like that. And I say blessed for me because I worked for that. <laughs> yes. But, I, you know, I've also told her that, you know, I, I've tried not to push her in any one direction. So her mother has a college degree and there's other people in my family with advanced degrees, uh, particularly my, my uncle is a professor. But I've told her, and my, both my brothers have degrees, um, but I've told her that, you know, you have to choose the route that's best for you. So whether it's college and then grad school or college and no grad school, or whether you go to learn to be a mechanic or learn or open your own beauty salon or decide to study overseas somewhere, you know, those years are paid for. They're already set. So whatever course you decide, um, um, that's paid for. And so I wanted to know the options because college is, is an option, but it's not the only option. And there's a lot of things. Um, the world is big and the world is bigger than just us universities. Right. So I don't want her to feel like she has to do that one way. And so I think she's, she's really appreciated that, that, you know, she has options. And so for right now, she's still looking at going to college, um, a four-year university, but, 
you know, I don't know how it's going to work out. So I'm, I'm very excited for that because, you know, let's see, she's 17. So when, like, for example, when her grandmother, my mother was 17, my, my mother already had, she had dropped out of high school. She had two kids and one kid, me was on the way. Damn. And, right. I mean, that's, so you're talking about, that's just like two generations removed, you know, from Leah. And so, and then she has me, you know, I, I, I mean, I went to college for a little while, but I didn't get a degree or anything. And I just sort of played around, but you know, I'm, you, well, you know, I made my own success in the way that I yeah. made it. And, but her mother did go to college. She went to uh, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. She has a, I think she has a master's degree. I think, I don't know. So she has examples of doing things the traditional way, the non-traditional way. And I made it a point not to force her, try to force her to do what I wanted her to do, but I wanted her to know the options and stuff. So yeah, I'm pretty excited because, you know, you know, she'll be, she's 17 and a half. And I mean, I don't know if you remember your years from high school graduation that leads into your early twenties and all that. That's an exciting time. Yeah. So, you know, cause she'll get a driver's license and if she goes to, a university lives in the dorms, you know, or an apartment with roommates and stuff. That's all new and fresh. So yeah, I'm excited for her. I'm excited for me. Does she, does she know what she wants to do? Like, is, does she have a career goal in mind or? Nope. Okay. That's good. Nope. Yeah. She likes to, I mean, she has a lot of different interests because I love to write and publish books. And there are many people on her, on her mother's sides of the family, including her mother who are teachers. She has said, stated unequivocally i would not be a teacher or a writer <laughs> okay so she, she's checked off the list of what she's not going to do is <laughs> uh, uh, it great to be a teenager is it great to be a teenager i'm not gonna be you i'm not gonna be you <laughs> uh, which that's is taken care of right that's so funny so no you know she likes you know she has an artistic side she has a um a regimented side like that leans she wouldn't admit this, but it leans towards uh, sort of precision, like engineering. Um, she loves design and not just like home design, but like, you know, if you go into like, say a Disneyland and you go into a ride yep. and you walk through that line and that's all designed. She likes that kind of design. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes. So something very different. So, but you know, she has a lot of interest and um, hell, I'm 58. I never decided what I really wanted to do until I was about 50 and started writing. So I don't know what she's going to do, but she says she wants to make money. So let's see what happens. Yeah. I love it. I mean, she's, she's a, she's a cool kid. Um, yeah, she really so is. it's exciting. So and do so you, so I know we have had a lot of stuff going on this week. Um, <laughs> I, from let's just talk about do we or do we not dig up Ivanka's grave? I'm always for the morbid <laughs> choice. <laughs> I mean, she won't know. She won't know. She, you know what? She won't know. And someone pointed out, I was talking to my, uh, my partner, Ann today. She was like, well, why did they need 10 pallbearers if she was cremated? And, right. Right. And now that we know the FBI raided, they didn't raid. They served a warrant um, at Mar-a-Lago for all these documents that Trump had stolen, these classified documents, like U.S. classified documents that he had stolen and had um, taken to his uh, Florida home. Um, and not only that, but then they announced today, Wednesday, that they had issued a subpoena back in June to get stuff. And then while they were there and after they left, I guess somebody on the Trump's inner circle uh, ratted him out and said, there's some other stuff here in a, in a, like in a safe or somewhere else. And so they went back and, you know, that is some, that is some espionage at the highest levels um, uh, ever. I mean, that's, there's nothing that it's unprecedented. And so, so going back to Ivana's, uh, gravesite that odd choice to bury her on a, a golf course in a yeah. like it looks like a pauper's grave 
there's a whole lot of mess in all this, a whole lot of mess, a whole lot. I mean, we have, we could probably dig into that more next week, but yeah. I So yes, the short answer is just dig her up. <laughs> dig her up because there might be some papers in there. There might be some papers in there. That's exactly right. So yeah, that's, that's a mess. And that that's all ongoing right now. And his little followers are all upset. All of a sudden they go from back to blue, you know, and all that, Oh, yeah. Defund the FBI. Right. Now they hate law enforcement. (laughs) They killed those cops at that insurrection, you know, and and you know what? These are the same people that lost their complete shit over Colin Kaepernick kneeling. Yes. (laughs) Oh, sir, that's such a good. That's so good. You're right. Kneeling. And now all of a sudden they want to defund the place. And, And today in Ohio, some guy wearing body armor and guns he opened fire at it at the fbi field office in ohio today in cincinnati i think and i think there was a little chase and stuff and i think by the, at this moment that we're recording he hasn't been apprehended yet but like there's a shootout or something going so because trump people in media not just regular people like our neighbors but regular people in media are saying defund the fbi the FBI, you know, is compromised, all this anti-law enforcement stuff. And even politicians are doing that. And the very, you know, two days later, one of their people is out shooting up an FBI field office. That's crazy. Unbelievable. It, it, you know, when you go, I don't know how or why you're able to switch your beliefs so quickly. I mean, right? I guess to fit your own narrative, right? I yeah. mean, when we think about that, because we were talking about, not only that, but he can't, if he is found guilty, he can no longer, he's ineligible to run for president. That's correct. And as a matter of fact, he was the one who changed the law from um, taking classified documents being a misdemeanor. He changed that law to it being a felony because he would, he and his people were all on this jail Hillary Clinton bullshit when he was in office. And so like sometime in his first year, he changed that law and it was really just like throwing meat to his base saying, oh, you know, now for now on, you know, this and maybe we can make this retro and make her go to jail and all this kind of crazy stuff that had no basis in reality. But his followers don't care. It's just they love that kind of crazy, fake, tough man rhetoric. But it's that same law that now that he's stolen that stuff and it's classified and, and not just classified, but top secret, which is a higher level than classified those are all felonies. It, it makes him ineligible to run for any office ever. Wow. And he, and he could go to prison. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, I mean, we thought he would go to prison maybe for the insurrection, but apparently that's not right. happening. Right. And then, there, right. There's so many moving parts to all this stuff. It just is it's really unprecedented. Well, and we hope. I mean, we can we we've got some time until the 2024 for him to put his name in the hat. Hopefully he'll be arrested and or ineligible by then, because I can't my mind can't go through that. No, no. And it it really it really goes to show that that um, there's a certain element in our country that really don't believe all that stuff that they that they um, try to um, hoard over the rest of us like. Um, just comply, just obey, just follow the law, just don't break the law, just don't do this. All these things they used to beat us over the head for, you know, when we complain that, you know, a blind person was killed by the, by the police or something like that. And then you have this guy who is a, not just a recent criminal, really is a, a historical, historical, a, historic, a long time criminal. And as soon as he gets accountability for being criminal, his people absolutely lose their shit and want to burn the whole country down. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's an idea. <laughs> <laughs> Just insane. So yeah, we could do a lot of, a lot on that will happen over the next uh, week or so. So it'll be interesting to see. So, um, so before we go, what are you watching on TV? You know, I am, I didn't realize that Killing Eve, the fourth season was on Hulu. Cause I know it started back in February. I don't have FX. I think that's the original uh, channel that it starts on. So I am on FX. I'm on Killing Eve right now. And I believe it's the final um, season. And I cannot yeah. tell you those, 
that Jodie Comer, I think her name is, and Sandra Oh, those actresses are phenomenal to watch. That I think it's Jodie Comer. I, I don't. Yes. I might be. Yeah, saying that's her, her name. Yeah. Is her, okay, Jodie. So she, so she, literally, if I would see her on the street, I would think that she was a sociopath. Like I would think that she, she's so good and believable that I think that's her real life. She's so good. She's, she's so good. She's so good. Yeah, I um, I think. I'm midway through season three on that. And I was waiting for the final season to come so I could just binge it all and just watch the whole thing. So um, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad that's there. I'll, 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 I'll pick it back up then. And then, yeah, I, w- I started to, I was going to watch your show that you recommended, which was that documentary on Woodstock 1999. Oh my God. It's insane. My sister sent me a message and it doesn't really give a lot away, but she just said, it is insane, and I can't believe the the fucking white people destroying property. Like she said, it reminded her of what she saw for the insurrection. There's, there's no doubt in my mind that seventy percent of those people ended up at the insurrection. There's no doubt. Like, it, well, yeah, when you watch it, you'll see. You go, these are the same people. Crazy, and the people that ran it are absolutely detestable people, and they're doing the interviews. And they're doing interviews as if they have some high moral authority. And as you're listening to it, you're thinking, these are the slimiest sleazeballs. Wow. Just absolutely horrible people. Horrible people. That is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So she said that, it, you know, it's worth it's only like two episodes. And I was like, well, yeah. God, Killing, Eve, Killing Eve came on. And, you know. Yeah. <laughs> It's three, but you know, it's something you can watch like when you're cooking or something like that, like that. And they, I think there may be 45, 50 minutes, but it's three episodes, but yeah, it's, it's worth, it's worth the watch. It is. It is. Um, Um, So that's what I'm catching up on. And they just did the season finale. I'm not going to give the winner away of, so you think you can dance. So, oh, that's over. God, it was so good. You know, I was disappointed that the finale wasn't an hour and a half. It was only like 25 uh, minutes. <laughs> so depressing. So what about you? What are you watching? So speaking of Sandra Oh, I watched this movie of hers on, I think it's on Amazon Prime. And it is um, called... Uh, oof, what is it called? Everything about anything, everything about everything, or something like that. And it's a movie and sent. Um, wait a minute, it's not Sandra, it's Michelle. Oh, I'm sorry, Michelle. Oh, is the star. Um, it's like absolutely everything about everything, or something like that. And it is the weirdest uh movie, but it's also really good. Like, it could be an award winning movie, and she is the star. And it's essentially she um, isn't satisfied with her life in America after having come from um, South Korea. But she, it's hard to describe, but she, she discovers a portal through the universe and she becomes involved in this struggle in these multiple universes with her self, her family, her daughter. And it goes through all these iterations of reality. And it's just, it's mind bending, but it's really good, but it's mind bending. And it, it's hard to describe. It's a little bit of, it's like a little bit of everything. And it's very long. You should, I mean, if you watch it, it's two hours or something, or two and a half hours, you can watch it like, the first half, and actually they break it up. They go, okay, the second half. And I don't even know how to describe it, but she's going to win some awards. It's that good. Real Michelle O? Yeah, it's Michelle O. And it's like, it's art. Like, it's an art, very, it's an art movie, but it's made, it seems low budget, but it's not low budget. And it's really, it's really intricate and it's hard to describe. It's, and I it probably... I probably have to watch it again because there's so much happening from scene to scene that it's it's emotionally exhausting. Like uh, I don't know. The name of I, it is what? It's called um if you look up Michelle O movie, but I think it's called on Netflix. It's on Amazon. Amazon, okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'm watching that and then and then I just finished a series on Netflix called The Sandman. Okay. 
So it's based on a series of comics from the 90s and 2000s. Okay. Um, and it's essentially um, the same as what you know, the Sandman is in charge of the dream world. And, but, but the Sandman has siblings and these siblings have been alive since the uh, beginnings of the universe and even before. And they're the things that we know. So there's desire, there's destiny, there's death, there's um, a couple of others. And so you follow, it's centered around the Sandman and the dream world, but something happens um, in waking life that causes the dream world Sandman to come to the waking life and try to fix some things that it, he finds out that he was the cause of. And so it's it's eight episodes and it, it it's not really comic booky and it's not really horror, but it's very intense in some episodes but you get to meet his siblings and how they're in the world and it is marvelous wow really okay yeah it's, it's marvelous and and you start off like you don't really know well like most movies you don't know anything and by the end of the show you know so much and it's very it's very female oriented female a lot of women actors and a lot of women of color actors but and there's like three or four different storylines that weave through these episodes. But really, it's almost like each episode is independent in its own way. Um, uh, but it it's it's unique and it's really, really, it's it's well done. It's beyond well done. Yeah, okay. it's it's really good. It's called The Sandman. And are there any actors or actresses in there that we would know? Um, yes. So there are there are a few um um i can't i i didn't know who the sandman was like who okay. plays the the title role but all of the actors are either us many are us stage actors but a lot of british stage actors as well but a couple of famous people will pop up here and there um but i you know what i'm i'm bad with names i don't i don't know the names okay. when you see the people you go oh yeah i recognize this person okay yeah. got it yeah i yeah. mean i Okay, because I'm. I think the series, the season finale of Evil, is on this weekend on Sunday. Ooh, so ooh, I'll have. Okay. To, I, I'm telling you, sir, I cannot. Evil is so good. I just. I want more. It's it's really good, and this season is just amazing. So yeah, but um, I added it back to my queue because I I stopped watching um, probably just in season one. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pick it back up. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. So. Um, that, and then we have to, we definitely need to then talk about that major accident. And I know we always say this, like, we'll talk about it next week. Oh, yes. The yes. woman, the nurse down in LA that just oh, God. was driving 100 miles an hour through. Horrific. Horrific. And she didn't have a scratch on her. No. And she had 13 crash um, tickets or arrests before that. And it's interesting because well, she was a nurse. So, you know, mm. I, you know, you, you think about, you take a, the, the, the Hippocratic oath to serve and protect right. people and always put your life before their life before yours. And I was thinking how we, you and I talked about how she wasn't intoxicated. So there right. was no the drugs or intoxication. And then I put more thought into it. And I was thinking, then she had a death wish because yeah. if drugs or intoxication doesn't play into that, she literally has some sort of illness that she wanted to end her life. No one goes a hundred. Well, I guess if you get away with it 13 times, you think that you can get away with it again. So, but then she had intent. That's the issue. Intent. So intent. Yeah. That was and, crazy. That family and, was swooped in, in all the people that saw that, one-year-old fly from the car oh my god that's gonna be off that's gonna that's gonna live in their mind they tried to save that one-year-old that's gonna uh, live in their mind for the rest of their lives horrific i mean just so yeah intent so, and, and i saw some people talking about that that you can't drive fast on that particular street because there's always so much traffic and like you just you can't and it and it sloped downwards and so for her to be going that fast and they said she had sideswiped some other cars and stuff like that on the way to before she went through the red light yes yes oh my just, gosh just and how she come out of that with just like a broken arm you know something like that she because i saw her behind the um i saw her in court 
you know, as part of her court trial, I think Nicole Linton is her name. Yes. And, and she's just sitting there with the, you know, her arm is wrapped up and I'm thinking, you know, six other people are dead. Like their lives ended instantly. Yes. Yeah. And she just, she, she, she walked away. With, and, and, you know, that's why everybody was thought she was on some sort of drug right. or alcohol, because right. in most cases like that, you are so loosey goosey. The reason why yeah. you have so many issues when you get an accident is you, you tense up and she, but yeah, having none of that was incredible. And then, you know, watching her in the courtroom and then, you know, crying and stuff like that. I just kept oh, thinking, you annihilated six lives in one swoop in one swoop you took six lives and they say up to 90 years i mean i don't know your thoughts on death penalty but um yeah that would that's that was pretty incredible and i watched the video a few times because i just i couldn't fathom how fast she was going because then you have ann hache who's the actress now did they find anything in her system um i haven't seen anything um, but oh, I take that back. I saw a story that showed that um, she had just left. She was doing a podcast. I think she was a guest on a podcast and she had been drinking wine. And, oh. she, had, and she even mentioned it on the podcast. And I don't know how fast she was going, but I've seen the, the different um, videos that capture her car going down this one street. She was flying. And I she saw that. Brutal. And you know what? Yeah, look, like that other lady. Look, I look. I'm not. I'm not a proponent of death penalty. I don't think Anne Hedge. I don't think anybody died in that Anne Hedgey thing. But with that other lady, that Nicole lady, you know, I think she's in California, so they won't. California won't kill you anyway. No. And you know, I guess she'll have to just sit in prison the rest of her life. I. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, does that really punish her? Like, I don't know. I think, you know, some people will say the belief is if she gets to stay alive, that's her punishment. Cause she'll have yeah, to always think about that. She took six lives. Oh my God. It just, she, that car was going, I've seen that video and I've tried to slow it down. That lady was going so fast. So and, fast. And how she even had a license after 13 other crash, you know, crashes like 13 others. That's the question. And right? How does she have a life? How could she even still be a licensed nurse after all that? After at least a licensed nurse, because, you know, I, I have a girlfriend right. whose best friend or one of her friends was killed by a drunk driver while she was walking her dog. And he was driving on a suspended license. That was his fifth DUI. And fifth DUI. so you can take someone's license away, even if she got it, but she had a car. I mean, she got in a car and to say that maybe it was her boyfriend or she was having a fight with her boyfriend and all that stuff goes off the window. That, you took the, li- yeah. I mean, I'm telling all you. That, so all that, all that's nonsense. Like all that's nonsense. LA's and, on LA has been crazy. And then I just saw governor. Now you might know a little bit, but governor Newsom just signed into a bill. I don't know if it's approved about, 3.4 billion maybe million of money going into education funds for people to have free college have you seen that you know what i think i saw the headline on that but i didn't read that story i didn't yet. read it yet yeah i was gonna, um, that's I, fantastic where where you know he had been talking or california had been talking about that and he's been talking about that for a while that that it should be free that you should be able to go to it shouldn't be it shouldn't be that only people of wealth and of money can go to college. And then two, um, it shouldn't be that people who don't have enough money go to college and have to go into debt. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. That's a big deal. If he, if he finally did that, I mean, that's fantastic. I mean, that's just another reason why we should just cut off California and let us float <laughs> into our own little place. I mean, I was, right. I was just I telling somebody that California is one of the few States. There's only a few of us who we can be self-sufficient. Like we're fine. Yeah, we don't need you. We don't need anybody. We got, we got it. That's it. Right? We got this we handled. Got food, High five. Water. Yeah, we are fine. Like, Let's you know go. what? We like the rest of you guys, but we don't love you. No, at all. <laughs> if I see a Texas license plate as I'm driving around, I'm like, why are you here? Oh my gosh. <laughs> right. Because you know why? Because they vacation here and the wealthy ones own homes here. And, but all they do is, is, is complain about us. Exactly. 
exactly. This is <laughs> that's so true. They're spending all their money to go to Napa Valley, San Francisco. Uh, right. I mean, Ain't nobody right. Nobody vacation in Iowa, Missouri. No, hell no. And if you are, I'm so sorry. <laughs> And Shout I out to Missouri. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our, our Missouri fans, you know, no offense, but um, yeah, when I went to Wisconsin, when my parents lived there, it would be, I would have to use vacation time to go visit them, which is fine. But when yeah. you tell people I'm going on vacation and they say where, and I say, uh, Newburgh, Wisconsin, they're like, ah. what the fuck? <laughs> oh my God. You know what? I, I, I talk a lot of smack about Iowa because I lived in Iowa with, through a job for about, a year or so and it is a hellhole like it is it's a hellhole and um the one thing i remember that i did enjoy about iowa was i was in cedar rapids and they have a uh, they have an annual pork fest festival and so there's like a big barbecue thing but the best thing about it was they crown the pork fest queen (laughs) oh sweet jesus (laughs) Say no more, please. I, I don't need any more visuals. I know. It's so fantastic. So, um, yeah, so they, they talk smack about California, but you know what? They all want to be us. Like they all want to be us. And I thank just had, God. I, yep. I just had a conversation with a guy who was, um, he has saw a TikTok video that a lady posted on her travels. It was a black lady. And she was saying the top five racist countries that she's visited. And her number one was Spain. And there were a few different posts like that, that people saying that Spain was extra racist. And so then this guy, he said, was it, was it like that for you? And I was like, cause I mentioned I'd been to Spain. I said, well, you know what I found out when I traveled internationally was that when I say I was from the United States or America, that people were sort of indifferent or sometimes if you're in France, they were nasty. Yeah. But if I said I was from California, People light, they would light up and smile and be happy. So I always say California, people are happy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. Spain, I, I went to Majorca. I don't, I mean, I guess, well, you were just talking, we were just talking, we started this podcast talking about Fosters. Then we went to um, Grider and, you know, how Russia's racist. I mean, legitimately yeah. racist. It's incredible. It, it's not just America, folks. It's everywhere. Yes, so. yes, the yes, the the act of of you know the two four hundred year act of colonization created a lot of issues around the world, and one of them is issues of color, uh, colorism, racism, classism, and that kind of stuff. And it just you still see it in different places. So yeah, but I've learned that you know wherever I was, if I if I smiled and I was friendly, and I said I was from California, that generally. People were very kind back. That that's that's what I found. So, you know, that's a little tip to our listeners who are not in California. Just say you're from California. People will treat you nice overseas. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and sometimes they'll say, "Oh man, I w- always wanted to go there." You're not welcome. Yes, no one yes. called you. <laughs> we don't need you anymore. We got our. We got it. Don't come There's 40 here. million of us. We're good. We're good. <laughs> we're we're on it. It's funny when you think that because I remember being in Portugal and California has like you know at the you know 37 40 million people or something and Portugal only has like five six million people like these these countries are tiny from a population standpoint and even when I was in France France was about this about the size of California but it's a whole nation you know so you, so we, we get we forget just how big this state is. Like it's huge. And not only is big in territory, but it's big in numbers. And you know what? We're doing just fine out here. Yeah. We got a good leader. He might've done some stupid stuff where people perceived as stupid with the whole COVID thing and mask. But you know, it's, it's sort of like the Hillary Clinton. We're going to find, we're going to look at her. What about our emails? That's what I think about Gavin Newsom. What about your mask that you told us to wear and you didn't wear yours? Right. It's, it's that tiny. If that's what you're complaining about, then you know what? Right. If that's what you want to hold on to, my my pleasure. But outside of that, he has done well for this country, for this, I call it a country, but he's done well yeah. for this state. And I, I stand behind him for sure. Yeah, he really has. You know, I I, I wrote a, uh, I wrote a, uh, my, my, my most recent blog post, like speaking of him and speaking of people doing good, I wrote a blog, uh, uh, an article about President Biden and Kamala Harris being um, the the greatest presidential team in U.S. history. And I've written it before and I wrote it again. And 
you can make the case because they've only been in office two years and they have the most significant um, legislative wins at this point of their presidency, more so than any other presidential duo. And, and when you look at what they've done for infrastructure, for guns, for health care, for um, employment, employment the economy, for inflation, for um, um, drug prices, for um, all these things, you'd line up all these things, the CHIPS Act, where they're gonna manufacture microchips in the US again, this, this legislation just passed to get veterans money who were uh, veterans money who were um, uh, sick from wars in Afghanistan and, and uh, Iraq and and other things they've done. But they, he's nominated. He's at 76 judges confirmed the most at this point, including putting a black woman on the Supreme Court um, and just so much in just this span of time. And they've done that with just a 50-50 Senate where Kamala Harris is the 51st where she gets to break the tie. Um, and then to have to come in, in in the environment they came in on the heels of a res- insurrection where they're, them getting into office was almost delayed because of all the nonsense. Like they came in and in two years, they have completely reshaped uh, the government in so many ways. And you can, I'm telling you, I made the case that they are right now the greatest presidential duo um, of all time. And really, I think it's no contest. And they have two years to go and maybe maybe six years if they, which I think they will, they'll, they'll win re-election. And we've gotten to the point where what I wrote was, it's okay to celebrate that, to acknowledge that, that you wanted stability in government, you wanted kindness in government, and you wanted effective government, and we voted for it, and we got it, and they're doing it. It's okay to acknowledge that at the time it's happening, and yeah. to celebrate that, and there's no shame or apology in doing that. It's a fact, and the, the fact that as Americans, you could go about your day and not think about government, and not think about your president embarrassing you or doing this batshit crazy stuff, that is a privilege. Like, we should be really happy about that. Yep. Like, that's a really good thing, like you were saying about Gavin Newsom, or you could pick apart, you know, a couple of minor mistakes here, a gaffe there, but it isn't a mistake or a gaffe that's costing people lives or that's embarrassing us on the international stage or that making allies turn their heads, turn their backs on us. Like, it's just little human things. But the bigger things are getting done, even passing gun legis- gun control legislation, the first time in 30-something years, like big things. And- it's okay to acknowledge that. And you know what? That Those aren't Republicans doing it. Those are Democrats doing that. Yeah. So sometimes you have to, and you know this from being in sales and being in, in sales leadership, sometimes you have to um, celebrate your wins and you have to be the one to celebrate them loudly so the executives know that you're doing things. Right. right? Yes. To, toot your own horn because someone's not always going to be tooting it for you. So you get up and say, when executives are there, Hey, I'm glad you came to visit. My team is number one. Oh, it, it I, I mean, yeah, that's how you went in with a handshake, with that confidence of like, that's oh, I'm exactly glad you it. came here. You you came to see the right people. I mean, we could spend, I'm telling you, you what all of you will have to do is read Myron's blog. It's the greatest presidential team ever, I think, period, still. Um, and yeah. it is just it gives a breakdown of what Myron was just talking about at deardean at deardean.com. It a breakdown of everything that Biden and Kamala have done since only being in office for two years. And yeah, you know what? Significant. Significant. And you know what? I'm just going on with my day. And they're doing their job, what a public servant is supposed to do. Right. We don't we shouldn't have to think about these people all day, every day. Just let them do what they do. Yeah. And then somehow either my life gets better, which is wonderful. Or other people's lives get better. You know, so pe- things are being made better for people. And you know what? I'm just going about my life, and, and I'm, you know, I'll be, I'll be happy with that. Yep, I love that, it. You, yeah, I don't have to. I don't have to love them or anything like that. I just want them to be work, like you said, working for the people working and just getting people. things done. Yeah, that's and what you get in public you. office for. You, you're, you're a public servant. So yep. if you're doing so you that for me, I got yep. you back. I got you. Yep. I'm voting for you. 
Exactly. So I'm going to, so let's wrap it up. So you mentioned, I have my dear Dean blog. You can also read my work on medium.com. Um, you can see me on Twitter at my name, Myron J. Clifton or Facebook, or I have two Facebook. One is dear Dean, one is Myron and also on Instagram, but visit my Amazon page. It has all my books, it has my blogs and it has um, info about this podcast. Um, share this podcast, like it, uh, review it. Uh, it's all there. So um, we are a, we are a, um, a media conglomerate, me and Jen. <laughs> <laughs> and we, Jen, I think we're on episode like 17 or 18 or something like something that, right? Something like that. Yeah, we said we're going to go um, 100. And, and by then we will have conquered the podcast world. That's what we think. I love it. And yeah, you can find me at Jen Land Van. Jen Van Landen Veg on Instagram and the Redheaded Vegan on Twitter. I don't know much about Twitter, but you can find me there. And yeah, what's, your, um, what's your other one with the big butt? That's the, oh, big butt and a smile on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I'm trying to fix it. Love it. Oh, I love it. I love, I love it. it. Well, thanks for staying shallow with us today. I think we cover a vast variety of things and we'll continue to, to go shallow with all of you every week. Okay. Thanks. Jen. Talk to you next week. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.